Before the Lights Go Out, and many of you know the Deacon from his work with Alice Cooper, Peter Gabriel, Dr. John, Lou Reed, Aerosmith, the list goes on and on, Julian Lennon, I mean, it goes on and on, but seriously, go to stevehunter.com, go to iTunes right now and go get the album, I'm telling you, it's an experience, things will come to life you thought died a long time ago, Mm. all (laughs) kinds of places in your body, all kinds of feelings, and um, I just, I'm going to have to watch my language. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you? <laughs> well, my God, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I know, right? So like, that. That's really nice. I'm doing good. It's so good, good to have you on the show. I am like, you know, we interview so many so many musicians um, on the show and listen to so much new music, and it's so exciting for me. I'm just, I geek out on good new music. And then there's like an album like yours that, I can't I can't stop. It's like it's like a very good drug. And you take you've taken me around the world with it. You've got me feeling all kinds of things. I'm feeling a lot younger and um I feel a little dirty but I feel yeah, I feel pretty bitter, and yeah. transcendent and meditative at the same time. How did you do I think that? She said she just had sex. Yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> just saying. My God, boy, am I glad I called you guys today. <laughs> no, seriously, this well, album. That, that makes me feel just... good because all those things are there. All those things are yeah. there. They're all part of me. You know, it's all part of me and part of my personality. And um, any any music that I do, is, especially my own music, but any music, even mm-hmm. solos for other people, you know, I try mm-hmm. to interject certain things that so that you feel it rather than you. I don't I, I don't concern mm-hmm. myself with the notes as much as I concern myself with the feel. You know. Yeah. And um, that that comes through. I try mm. to make that come through everything I do. It does. It does. I mean, it's like to me when you hear you you have to feel it, and you you're on a journey. And I think that's when a, a really good album takes you on a journey. And you know, I know there's you know the different names of the songs and things, but there's you're just on this journey, and you just want to close your eyes and listen, or then you're gonna you know dance around. But and and an <laughs> instrumental album too. That is a, that's a huge deal too to be able to have that flow and not have the vocals. You have the vocals at the end singing "Happy Trails." That's your wife, right? Who sings yeah, that? Yeah, that's Karen. Yeah, that's my wife, right. Karen. Oh. She she was a singer with Gary Newman. She sang background with Gary Newman in the '80s uh, for wow. an English tour. But she also did a lot of jingles and a lot of other things. She had a, her own solo career in the '80s as well. But um, 
So, I mean, she's a great singer, so I use her whenever I get a chance. You know? Right on. Right yeah. on. Right on. So tell us about this album because it's like where did where did all these global sounds come from? I mean, Under well, the Bodhi I, Tree is one of my favorite. That that is like you you got me out to India and I felt all kinds. I went all over the world and Australia <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I, I tell you, I think what it comes down to is that all my life I've always liked a, a lot of different types of music. As a matter of fact, I had to stop myself on this album, otherwise I'd probably still be working on it because, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to put a reggae song on. I didn't get a chance to put a, a, a '70s style funk R&B track on. There, there mm-hmm. was some, there was some. But I, if I hadn't stopped, I'd still be doing it, you know. So, but yeah. I really like an album that takes me on a journey. There. David Gilmore's albums do that for mm. me, you know. Um and, mm-hmm. and well any Pink Floyd album will do that to you. But I've always I've always liked that. I've always thought that when you put on an album it should take you somewhere. Um even if it's only temporarily, it should take you somewhere and you should feel like when when you've heard the beginning of the album through the end of the album, you feel like you've actually gone somewhere. And uh, yeah, albums yeah. me those are my favorite albums. I, I need to get on the road right now, and this is road this trip is music. This is great road trip. Yeah, music. I mean, and then I, I have, <laughs> yeah. I have like, I've written a book about your album. Like, there's, and I was like, first you listen to it, and you close your eyes, and you're in it, and you're, you're in the zone, and you don't, you, you don't need to take anything for this. You just sit down, close your eyes, and you're on this journey, and then it's like, okay, there's all these different things going on, and um, I was, you know, cinder block. I'm like, okay, yeah. where does that name come from? And you know, I know I've built walls in my lifetime and gardens and things <laughs> using cinder block, cool. and I hurt my fingers doing it. But you have this finger picking, and then it kind of goes into this. I felt like I was on the Appalachian Trail, where it's like, okay, am I Celtic? Am I country? Am I bluegrass? Where am I? I'm in these different zones. And then I felt like we also had like the Indian vibe in there too. Like you know, there's I you you really you don't like in one song. How do you make it all flow from these different styles? Well, it's, it it goes back to the to the thing I just said. Basically, mm-hmm. is that I love so many styles, and yeah. the, the the one thing that I really love doing with those styles is trying to hybridize them and mix them up because mm. uh, music is music. You know, uh, Indian music is some of the most fabulous music. That's one of my mm-hmm. favorite music. Uh, I I can listen to Ravi Shankar all day long. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I, I love some of the uh, Bollywood stuff. It's it's amazing stuff, you know. But I also <laughs> like Celtic stuff, and I also like mm-hmm. Appalachian stuff. And I grew up in Illinois, and mm. a lot of the stuff we listened to was bluegrass and uh, Appalachian mountain music, stuff like that. That was the thing I heard, things I heard when I was very young. So they're in there, you know. All that mm. stuff gets in there, and then the joy of doing an album for me is I get to bring them out, which – is mm-hmm. a, it, it, that's a real joy. It, when, when I'm in the studio and these things are coming out, it's the most joyful thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I told Karen that it's a drag kind of when the album's done because it's almost like you get you get postpartum in a way, you know, because yeah. suddenly, suddenly <laughs> the album is now out there. It's almost like having a baby, and as soon as you deliver the mm-hmm. baby, it goes to college. You know what I mean? Well, this, yeah, well, this it's is my people smoke after sex, you know, you know, and then I it's like, oh, can we do it again? No, I'm worn out now. No, no. I <laughs> exactly, yeah. You no, know, it doesn't happen that fast, you know, because there's a whole thing. But there's so many dyna- the dynamics <laughs> but, in here. I mean, it, that to me is like, because it's what the talent is 
to me, obviously the guitar playing and, and all of the instrumentation and having that flow and taking on these different journeys without um, with keeping that flow and bringing in these dynamics. And sometimes when people do albums like this, it does become overproduced, and it's not. Yeah. This feels like you're in it, and I think that's a really cool talent to have of not overproducing it and not making it sterilizing it, you know, because it still has that grit and that dirt, and you feel like you feel the dirt. No, I like yeah. the dirt. She likes dirt. I do. I like the dirt, too. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've kind of grown up playing in the dirt, so there you go. I mean, it's yeah, there. It's in, in my, my face now. I like it, too. So, I, I hear no, you. Oh, yeah, that's, what's her name? Uh, Catherine Hepburn. There's dirt under my fingernails. Um, oh. But tell, yeah. tell me about this slide, because... I have a thing about slide, and and Ryan Bingham, I don't know if you listen to him, he I got hooked into his stuff because of his lyrics being very Dylanish and saying what it was like living in border towns, and and then right. he started getting to this slide, and it was like this just raunchy slide, and then I was listening to this album, I'm like, oh my God, now you've like transcended the slide. <laughs> what are, I mean, is there a certain guitar, a certain kind of slide you're using? Because I've I've always wanted to be able to do it, but. I don't, I don't, I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, you know, you you can yeah. actually. It, <clears throat> the funny thing about slide is I, I couldn't really do it at first when I tried it either. I, it, 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 it takes a kind of a touch. You kind of have to, you kind of have to just keep experimenting. And then the more you keep working on it, just, it's like all of a sudden it starts coming together. And it's mm. a, it's a very strange thing. But I started mm. on lap steel when I was eight years old. So I already had this mm. idea of, of, putting a bar on strings and sliding it around and that's how you made your made your pitches mm -hmm. so i already had that so all i had to do is really kind of transfer that to a regular guitar uh mm -hmm. but it is a little more difficult on a regular guitar than it is on a lap steel lap steel is a little bit easier to do that with because it's set mm -hmm. up for it and, and most regular guitars are not set up for it so you have to get a touch you have to really work mm -hmm. on a touch and there are various different slides that that uh that make different tones like a glass slide for instance sounds different than a metal slide mm -hmm. they each have their their uh, like if you want more edge then you use a metal slide if you want more mellow you use a glass slide and mm -hmm. uh, i tend to prefer the glass slide because it's rounder sounding uh, but if i need that sting of of an edge then i'll use a metal slide do you need a slow hand and an easy touch? Oh, my God. Here yes, you go. do. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. The first, the first time I tried to play slide, I used um, somebody had copper pipe in. They gave me, like, a copper metal thing, and, and yeah. I was just like, this didn't see, I didn't know what I was doing because I never played bar chords. So yeah. everyone was like, if you do bar chords, it will be a lot easier for you. And so that, that was the, the problem for me yeah. i didn't yeah i didn't get that part but i have a deep love for it and it's like there's something very animalistic about it it's like tribal wailing to me it's it's like a wolf's howl yeah there's it's tribal well, you know what it's, you know what it comes from africa i mean it yeah. the, there was a thing there was a thing called mm. a diddly bow i know that sounds disgusting but there was a thing no, called a diddly funny. bow it, uh, <laughs> that was african it's african in origin it was um basically a one string guitar on a p on a stick basically and yes, then yeah. they would run a slide up and down it now they uh, in america they actually they actually put the string on on a porch on the on the porch support and the whole porch oh. would, would be the instrument and then they would play slide on it 
which is how I, I think that's how Bo Diddley got his name. He just turned that around. But it that's an African oh. instrument. So it is very mm. tribal. It's a very tribal instrument. It's a very tribal sound. So if you listen to guys yeah. like Muddy Waters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, those guys, I mean, oh. he he to me, he was the epitome of the raunchy slide. I mean, that guy would, you know, he could tear your face off. It was wonderful. <laughs> I, I, To me, that's what it's all about. And I don't know if it's because I grew up in the bush in Africa that um, – that all that kind of music to me is just so it means everything it's like every part of my my being like it's my very, soul it's human and and when you hear like an album like yours where you've got the rock and then you bring in all these different cultures like i was really into Ry Cooter and i'm still like a big fan of Ry Cooter because he did yeah, that so and, <laughs> yeah isn't he one of the, like just the old school stuff that he did and down in mississippi and and mavis staples and mm. when you bring that in and you, it, it take, it's kind of neat because there's a, like, in your album has this, where you're going around the world, you've got these African roots, and I think there's a lot of Aboriginal music in there, just personally. Yep. There's like, I was going to, I want to I wanna ask you about some of the things you're doing in there, because I'm like, dude, I feel like we're on a walkabout. Um, and there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's boomerangs and didgeridoos going somewhere, and tubing throat singing on this side if you're going up to Mongolia. I don't know, but there's like all this <laughs> stuff. But... There's this thing where you when when it gets tribal like that, and then you bring in the slide. It's like you're playing with God and the devil in the same yes. album. Yes, I, I totally agree. I the one thing that's been missing in music for the last thirty years is that tribalness, is that sense of rhythm, the sense of of just the thing that makes your soul move. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, the, yeah. African music, black music, blues. R&B, that sort of thing is what I've always been drawn to. I was drawn to blues at an early, early mm-hmm. age, and uh, because it just, it just grabbed my guts every time I heard it, and I liked that feeling. And then I, BB I, King was a big influence on me because I, I saw him live and uh, actually met him and talked to him, and there, there was cool. this sense of, of something coming out of him. I even asked him one time. I said, you know, I'm having trouble learning how to play blues correctly, mm-hmm. I, I, but I can't sound like you. Is it because I'm white? <laughs> and he thought that was really <laughs> funny. No, it has nothing to do. But see, I really did. I honestly thought that it was a black thing, that it, that it came from the African culture and, and cultures that I don't know anything about and I haven't experienced. But then when he explained to me, he says, no, no, no. You, it, it's, he, he said to me, he said, have you ever been hurt? Are treated badly by a girl, and I said, "Well, yeah." He says, "Okay, well, do you remember what that felt? What that felt like?" And yeah. I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, put that in your fingers." And that was the most yeah. transcendent thing anyone's ever said to me about music. It, first of all, it was the first person who told me that music was feeling. Uh, that's the first mm-hmm. time I ever really realized that. That's why it had been doing what it what it was doing to me, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, so that just completely transformed how I thought about music. And then he said, you know, don't try to play like me. Learn from learn from the records, but don't try to play like me. Take the blues and make it your own, and that's what keeps it alive. So mm-hmm. those two things completely changed my life. And wow. uh, when I started listening to it in the way he had described it, all of a sudden a whole world opened up to me. It had nothing to do with black, white, or anything. What it had to do with was being human. Which I thought mm, was fabulous. <laughs> you know, and I that, thought, wow, man, and, this and guy that can't means, me. And that means that you can have the devil and God in one. Because yes. there's it's no way the we, we always... It's the devil and Jesus. 
I know. Here we go. <laughs> She's been too dark burden with that. But there's a thing about having there's there's transcendence. Like in, in your music, like if you listen on the edge of uncertainty, I wanted to play it because it was like welcoming the album to you. Like you, it's like you making a statement. Trip. Like you don't know where you're going, but it's going to be badass, and we're taking you there now. <laughs> and here we go. And then it's like, oh, this is really cool. And then and then it starts to build. And that building, that transcendence you have, that's where it gets, you know, yeah, you you're, you got God and the devil at the same time. And I don't mean like, you know, now we're all going to get, you know. Religified. Really, I'm not getting that way, but it's, there's <laughs> where you, it's duality. And I think you can well, only yeah, transcend it's, it's, if you have duality. Yeah, it's the yin and yang. It's what we, 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 we all mm-hmm. know is there, it's there all the time. And you're constantly fighting between the two of them. And some... Mm-hmm. You know, one side wins usually more than the other, depending on your your perspective on things. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I think it's good that they're there because they they constantly mm-hmm. keep they keep each other in check. You know, it's balance. Keep the balance. <laughs> sometimes it's I balance. think you need yes. a little bit of the devil in you. You know? Yeah. And but now you've also got a lot of the Southwest. I feel like I felt like I was in Texas. Like yeah. number one, thank God for your album because we. I know Texas. I'm gonna have to drive that again. And I've done too many trips where nonstop across the entire state, like from Louisiana back to mm. Tucson and back. And I've done it, and I'm we're about to yeah. do it again. And I'm like, Uh-oh. okay, I've got a new album to take Red me across trip. the state. And you, it's one of those albums you can keep on repeat and just go and dodge the armadillos. But um, this, the, there's a, a heavy, I feel, southwestern vibe in here. Yeah, you know, I think that's part of uh, one of the things that brought me to the desert is the fact that I've always liked the desert. It's it's a cruel, mean environment in some ways, but it's also magnificent. So it's a mm-hmm. you want to talk about the yin and yang. I mean, that's the thing about the desert that yeah. has always blown me away is how absolutely beautiful it can be and how incredibly hard and difficult and tough it can be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a certain thing about about things that can thrive in the desert, you know, mm-hmm. and things that survive. So there's this difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, the music to me comes out of the Native America. There's some Native American influence because mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm also yes. I also absolutely love Native American music. It's yeah. one of my favorite musics, you know. And so it's all in there. And that that's the wonderful thing about being a musician is if you allow those things to come in, which I really can't help. They just do. It it, it comes through God. my skin. I couldn't stop it mm. if I wanted to. And then I I get the chance as an as a quote unquote artist. I get the chance of letting that stuff out in music, and it's the mm. most beautiful feeling. So when you bring in things like the Southwest and you bring in India and you bring in Native American yes. and African, it's just it's it's freedom really. When I sit down to write. Um, and to work out parts and things like that, if you have a much bigger palette to a much bigger mm. palette to pick from than if you mm, I, I can't I don't know how guys do it where they focus just in on one music and just that's all they do. I wish I could do that sometimes, but I just can't do it. It, it it's I easier for marketing. It, it, it's it's easier it, for marketing, it's but a marketing thing, mm-hmm. but. But I think you'd get bored yeah. if you if you had yeah. to be dovetailed like this, that. Th- that's why I, yeah. th- I think to me that this is number one. Like if you look at Indian Indian music and, and Native American music, there's a line of latitude lines, and I know I've talked about this on shows before, but and it's weird, but it's not. It's all connected, and if you look 
geographically, and then you start to understand cultures and where they migrated and where their original roots were, and then you start connecting the dots, like we're all connected. And you can hear oh, certain sounds. The instruments are similar and have traveled over. I mean, it's, when you think about um, even the Celts and how the music between them and the Middle Easterns are con- well, it's that's connected. The, like the saxophone. Yeah, there's a, a, well, at least there used to be, um, and there probably still is, in UCLA, had a historic musical instrument collection, and they had like this this little bone and string here evolved into this piccolo over mm-hmm. there that became the yeah. flute over here. And once you once you've seen that, mm-hmm. like you, that's what you just did in that song was you connected those dots. Yeah, uh, and, that's right. And so even though it sounds like in different places of the world, it's comfy because it's connected because. Yeah, it's the biggest problem in our world today is people don't get we're all connected, and you can try and fight it, and you can have politicians (laughs) who try to divide people. You can have all that. But at the end of the day, no matter what, nature and humans are connected, and Mm -hmm. that is that. Yes, exactly right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I think I like uh, Native American music and their philosophy mm -hmm. so much, because they've Mm -hmm. they've known that for thousands of years, you know? Yeah. It's like obvious. I admire that about the Native American culture. I really do. Mm. I agree. And and this album, basically, so Steve, you documented the evolution of man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I did? No, but listening to that, like... I don't know where the caveman part was, to but... The, no, to yeah. the first part, oh, it's in there. because we've been talking nature... All men have their caveman yeah, side, yeah. Through the first part of the song, just because we've been talking nature with our previous guests, I saw all sorts of visuals of different animals, and then towards the end part, all of a sudden I've seen flowers blooming and all sorts... Man, you're tripping out. I know, I'm tripping out on it. And so I could totally make a video to it of anything that's on the edge. And then it went yeah. to people on the edge, like people gambling and on the edge. Selma and Louise. Yeah, yeah I know, no. on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how flowers well, grow in the middle of a road? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I like and that. And it's like going drill. over them and then one day smash. And you're like, dude, why'd you grow there? <laughs> <laughs> because I can. Because I can. Yes, exactly. Because because I can. So, so tell me about recording this because you had some friends join in on this, right? And uh, now, oh, I got to ask about this because you you played with Tracy Chapman, and yep. cool. I know, yeah, one of one of your bass players on this uh, also toured with Tracy Chapman, uh, Andy, yep. right? Andy Stoller. Andy Stoller, and, yeah. Yeah, and you know Tracy Chapman, that she's got that earth spirit too. Like she's got that. I'm going to do all – didn't you play Lilith Fair with her? Am I, am I remembering this right? Yes, I, I played the first Lilith Fair, 96, I think it was. Uh, we did about – uh, I think we did 10 shows. I think we did five here on the West Coast and five on the East Coast. Cool. That wow. was wonderful. I, I, man, I'm telling you, it was a, it was such a joy to play all those wonderful songs every night. I mean, just it, – it, she writes such beautiful songs that as a musician, mm-hmm. it's just a blast to play them every night, you know? It's so trippy looking at your history. You know, I was going through, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is older than me. Like, your career is older than me. I don't don't mean that. No, I mean, like, it's so big. It's like, no, some people can have a 45-year career. I'm almost there. I'm I'm getting there real quick. Um, But, like, you can have a 45-year career, and then you can have a 45-year career that 
is just bigger than the 45 years. It's like so big, like so many different tours. I mean, the Rose with Bette Midler, I was yeah. like, I remember watching that and, and going, wow, look at that. And, and so like even looking at your pictures, I'm like, I've seen you in these places. I've heard your music. And sometimes I think this is the thing. We don't always know who the band members are. And, right. and, and, and that's why yeah. I'm really glad you're here because, number one, obviously I'm a huge fan. I'm like, this is this is like chocolate cake, man, all all day long eating this <laughs> and listening to this is like amazing. But when when you think about, you know, when we see people like Alice Cooper up on stage and you see musicians and we interview a lot of the musicians, the, the band, and I yeah. think sometimes the mainstream media never does that. They don't get out there and find out who's the guitarist behind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Iglesias. And we've been, mm-hmm. Sean, you know, is on our show all the time. But, you know, I just wonder about that where we don't realize who the band is as the general yeah, you population. Know, I think that, that was going on a, long, uh, a, a lot, though, in the 70s. I mean, I, I, listen, I was, even, I was even guilty of it to a point. I, I would go see somebody play, and then I would always wonder, who, well, who are, the, who are the guys playing guitar? You know, and, mm-hmm. and then it was sometimes hard to find out who they were. Um, yeah. So and sometimes yeah. even uh, album liner notes wouldn't always tell you because a lot of times they would they wouldn't list them. Like the Wrecking Crew is a classic example. They're all over all these wonderful records and we didn't know it. Mm. <laughs> but I think that's you know luckily I think that's changing now because of the awareness of all that that now it's people are starting to say well no wait a minute we ought to find out who's playing guitar with uh, Madonna. We ought to find out yeah. who's playing played guitar and bass and drums and stuff with Prince because he had a great band. So now it, it's really wonderful because I think uh, the awareness has come around that uh, a lot of media people are now saying, well, we got to find out who these people are. And it's not yeah. just... It's not just to, to uh, for any other reason other than they're really interested in who they are now. Rather, whereas before, I don't know if they really were. They, there was a lot of focus on the lead singer, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, because he was telling the story, he or she was telling the story, and that always seemed like that was the most important. But now mm-hmm. that's all changed, and it's really been good. Um, a, a lot of interviews yeah. I've done over the last few years has been all about that, really. Yeah, um, you know, that's awesome. Me, well, why weren't you credited on the, you know, well, in those days that just happened. It just happened mm-hmm. all the time. It doesn't happen so much anymore. It's great. And now also the Internet helped. I mean, you can go back and see yeah. shows that you never got to see. I mean, you can watch Woodstock, and I wasn't there, but I can see it, and like, wow, you know, um, yeah. I wish I was there. You know, you can see all these different things. And, you know, it's interesting you're talking about Prince, you know, um, and I know Andy, you know, your bass player that you play with, uh, he's been touring with Ann Wilson of Heart. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's also, yeah. they've got a band with, I mean, this is an incredible band, Road Case Royale, with a singer that was singing with Prince. And he found her through a karaoke thing, you yeah. know. And, she, yeah. man, she, she can belt, man. And yeah, it's just no. amazing. <laughs> You've seen her? Have you, have you heard? Oh, man. I love I've just that only band. heard. I haven't seen her, but I have heard. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's like it's, okay. Andy's a good example. Andy's a good example. He uh, he played with Tracy. I think almost from the beginning. I think even back in the hmm. Fast Car uh, when I think he played bass on oh. Fast Car. She was he was part of her original band, and he kind of went through her career uh, when and, hmm. and by the time I had met him, she'd already been obviously already won the Grammys and done all that stuff. And then uh, she was still touring. She was still touring the world uh, and and. When the little affair came up, then she kind of got on. She needed to put a band together, awesome. so um, I ended up getting a call, and uh, along with a guy named Larry Campbell, who has since gone on to play with Bob Dylan and 
a whole bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible uh, musician. Denny Fongheiser was a drummer who's a, a longtime friend. He's also playing with uh, Annie Wilson now. So there was this. It, what's great about this for me is that there's musicians that that are background musicians kind of form their own little camaraderie. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's sort of like we when you get into a band that's backing up somebody. Uh, and there are some members, there's all this band politics stuff. But with some people, like with guys like Andy, that stuff kind of goes by the wayside. And you just, hey, come on, I'm playing bass, you're playing guitar, let's have a blast. And that's one of the things I've always liked about Andy. There's a lot of musicians I know. Tony Levin's like that. There's a lot of musicians. There are some that are very political. They like to get into the pol- politics of band, which I don't like. I, I'm not very fond mm. of I I just say, guys, let's get together and make some music, you know. <laughs> to hell with who's this or who's that. Let's just, you know, right. who's been in the band the longest and all that. I don't care, man. It doesn't matter. Uh, and that's not, something about Andy that I really admired, that he just, look, I just want to play bass, you know. I don't care mm-hmm. about any of that stuff. And uh, and that's a cool thing. He's a great bass player, and that's why I wanted to use him on um, Under the Bodhi Tree, because I, I was having trouble finding the, the right bass part. So I thought... I know Andy might come up with something like that I haven't mm-hmm. thought of, and he did. I, <laughs> so, I so love he, that song. That I, I mean, it's really hard because I love the whole album as one thing. Like to me, it's one big thing, you know. Yeah. But that song just—it just—it has everything in there. And so, where did yeah. that come from? What was the inspiration for "Under the Bodhi Tree"? Oh my God! I wonder if I should really tell you the truth. Oh, I want to know the we truth. We want the truth. Well, it's kind of dirt, you know. I don't know if I should tell oh, you. Oh, good. Any oh. Anything dirty is good. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, many, many years ago, I know this is going to sound like a, a, a fairy tale, but many years ago, I was up in Vancouver, and mm. uh, I had a girlfriend up there, and she said, "We got you got to go see Wreck Beach. And I said, okay, well, what's Wreck Beach? She says, well, you'll see. <laughs> Uh-oh. So Rec Uh-oh. is a very famous nude beach in Vancouver. Cool. It's uh, our clothing optional, I think is what they call it. <laughs> and uh, But it's the most beautiful place I think I've ever seen. It, You have to go down really? about 800 stairs. It, it's, in, it's way, 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 way down. Do you, you do to, the uh, stairs naked or, or clothed? There's well, a difference. That, I, I'm going to have to take the fifth on that. So uh, no. no, you don't do the sta- you don't do the stairs naked because if you you know you might hurt things. So yeah, I know yeah. that's what that was my point. That could hurt. Yeah, no, no, no. When you wait till you get down to the bottom and then you take your clothes off if you want. Yeah, to today is National Nowhere Abroad Day. Just everyone, October thirteenth, right. right you can fling them off, and you should. It's good for everything to flap in the breeze once in a while. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> You're a girl after my own heart. I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> You remember back when the days when the girls were burning their bras? Yeah. That's what it comes from, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you well, should. Well, I used because to give them the matches. <laughs> yeah, he's like, here, I've got some gas, here, I've got some matches, you. but we, yeah, <laughs> burn but it. But anyway, anyway, Wreck Beach was just a beautiful place, and I ended up starting the song uh, on Rec, uh, about Wreck Beach. In fact, it was called Wreck Beach for a little while. And then I started realizing, well, wait a minute, this sounds very, very Indian. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. got an in flavor to it so i'm going to i'm going to change the perspective of the song which is what i actually ended up doing when i when i completed the song it was just a a, a little bit uh that kind of went over and over again so it was about oh i don't know maybe 
16 bars of kind of the same thing, and then I tried to expand on it, stuff like that. But I I rediscovered the song and decided I was going to resurrect it. But I didn't want to call it Wreck Beast because now it evolved evolved itself into something else. Uh, So I thought, well, wait a minute, this sounds very Indian. And so I pursued the Indian aspect of it. So I started taking it more and more Indian. And Mm -hmm. uh, the more I did, the more I liked it. So it yes. ended up being under the Bodhi tree, and it got away from Wreck Beach. <laughs> so, so we went from the nude beach to India, and uh, I and actually like it. So, did you take your clothes? Well, you can be yes, naked I, in India or naked if you want. <laughs> no, but it, I think it's it it's got a spiritual vibe to it. I mean, it starts with monks, and then you know, and, and it's like just when you're all calm at the end, you're like, oh yeah, watch this, wakey wakey. <laughs> You've now left exactly. your meditation zone. It's like, bam. Exactly. You know, That's what like... I wanted because I, I've had people, I, I haven't been to India, and I'm really bummed that I haven't. I want to try to make it there before. It was one, one of my bucket list items is to get to India. But I've had several friends that have gone there, and they said to me these things like where you can you can look on one side of the street, and it's the most modern place in the world, and you look on the other side, and it's total squalor. Mm. Or you oh, can man. go down to the Ganges, and you can see people Ooh. of all Races, mm-hmm. all all ethnicities, all uh, cultures, everything, uh, taking yeah. a dip in the Ganges as a holy river, and uh, so it's this it's this weird dichotomy of stuff, you know, uh, weird hodgepodge of stuff there. Holy men that have been at, at have lived at the Ganges their whole lives, you know, to stuff like that. That fascinates me. Uh, you, plus, I love elephants, and stuff, you know. So yeah, there's I've yeah. I've always wanted to go to India, and I don't know if it's the the whole thing of the cultures. Like there's the Sufi music too. We have a drummer we used to play with, Willie Kellogg. He used to play with Flying Burrito Brothers and Can Heat, right. and and you know we'd hang out and we did some music with him years and years ago. And like he was a trip. He'd be like, Nancy doesn't need anything. She's got she's a butterfly woman. She don't need anything. But us, you know, we're gonna sit on a rock, and he you know has his own little you know medicine and whatever. But he'd be like, "You got to get into the Sufi music." He was all into percussion and Sufi music. Yeah. He's like, "No, we're gonna be, we're gonna be like Lemurians, and we're gonna levitate." And, you know, get into this, and I've talked about this on the show because it's crazy. But it, I mean, there is that. He knew about transcendent music, and I think that's what I loved about this. I was listening. I, I want Willie. I got Willie's got to hear this. He's got to get this album because mm, there's that it. transcending part, and you can do it. And, and there's this side where you feel like oh man like this is like i'm transcending like this is cool i know even you know van morrison talks about that like i'm transcending and then it's like (laughs) now you're really going to transcend man now you're getting on the rock and roll blues train and now you're going to transcend in a different way than you ever thought of before (laughs) yeah that's crazy that's really what what's i mean it's a scary thing sometimes because under the bodhi tree started developing its own thing i mean it, it it just started coming out, you know. It, 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 that's one of the beauties of of composing stuff is when it starts just coming out. It's almost like you, I, I, I'm sitting there watching this stuff come out of me, and and the song came out that way. It just started the melody, everything started coming. It's one of those songs that probably took 15 minutes to write because no, it, it <laughs> yes, I'm serious because it just came flying out of me. That's happened to me before. It's it and it's almost scary. It's like, wow, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> and it's in it, the but DNA. it's the most wonderful. It's the most wonderful, peaceful feeling 
when you're when it's you're awesome. sitting in the studio and you got the guitar and all of a sudden this incre- cinder block same thing happened with cinder block the uh, I love cinder block the, that initial guitar riff thing that you hear in the da 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 that little thing that all came just came out of my fingers and I thought oh my god this is great I and I had to record it because I was afraid I was going to forget it you know it just because it came out so quickly. Um, yeah, how do you do that? Do you do you write the notes down? I mean, because I wouldn't even know. Like, I know how to read music, kind of, and then I just I can't I just do it. Like, it's I don't. I, it's really hard for me the whole thing about reading music and then doing it. It's like I'd rather hear it and just learn it. I don't know how. That's what how I do. do, you do I that? don't. I I never was much of a reader. I mean, I could sort of kind of read, but and mostly what I did in in my session stuff was mostly reading chord charts, and then I would come up with my own parts. You know, they wouldn't mm-hmm. actually be written out for me. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, no, what I do is I have a little tape recorder or a little digital recorder. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, it's, it, I have it sitting there all the time because stuff comes out of me from nowhere. So I I have it ready all the time and I just hit go. <laughs> right so, on. It, yeah, that's what I have to do because otherwise I'll forget it. It'll just disappear. Well, and isn't it really also scary. when you go on stage, when you have to learn mm-hmm. things like you, I mean, now I see people who have the words and everything on like almost a teleprompter on stage, and it's like, okay, you know, back in the day, they didn't have that stuff. You know, maybe a few taped notes, you know, what your set list is and stuff and some basic chord charts and, you know, but now it's like, okay, there's all this digital stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, like, when you're on stage, to me, like, I remember the stories. Like, I'm more of a vocalist, so it's like stories, and and if I had to sing and do guitar, we're we're screwed. Um, that's just the way it is for me. But it, I had to remember the story because even if I screwed up, you're you're in it to tell the story. And so, what's it like as a guitar player with that on stage? Is it like, do you remember a certain story with the song, or how do you remember everything? You know, that's the funny thing. I've never figured out how I remember everything. I I honestly don't hmm. know. When I'm when I'm practicing, uh, like for instance, b- before I go out on tour, of course they give you a song list and you have to learn all the songs. I just practice them over and over again, <clears throat> and then it gets to the yeah. point where there are sections. I start seeing the song in sections. So uh, you might say, mm-hmm. "There's okay, so there's an intro, and then the first verse, and the B section, and the chorus." But now the second verse is a little different than if you start seeing them in sections, <clears throat> and that's how I remember. I just remember them in sections. And uh, for some reason or other, I can remember. Uh, uh, it doesn't take me long to uh, re- to memorize the song. I don't know. I, I, it's just the way it's been for me. You know, I think if you like, I grew up. I've been taught to read music, mm-hmm. playing keyboards and piano, and yeah. doing classic. And that when when we had our band, that was the biggest detriment to me was. I had to have my music in front of me. Become a crutch. Yeah, and I couldn't think past what I was looking at. It, yeah. I found it uh, to be really disturbing. And then it was like, okay, just close it and just play. And I, it was like, what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a really... funny thing because I found the same thing. If 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 I learned the song off a page of music, it was harder to memorize. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I don't know why it's, that is. If I wrote out my own charts, for some bizarre reason, I remembered them better. When you hmm. when you write it out yourself, something about writing with your own hand hmm. sort of makes it get into your head quicker. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's really weird because like if I was writing the intro to a song and I made a mistake, I would scratch it out. I mm-hmm. would remember that 
place where I scratched it out, and it would it would remind me of the whole intro. It's like the weirdest yeah. thing. So I would like a lot yeah, of times write out my own chord charts because it was easier for me to memorize it then. Yeah, you do your own thing. I think yeah. once you once you use the sheet music as you know, then then you're stuck with it. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah I, I think like, you're right. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right about that. Yeah. That's interesting. It's it's interesting how we our brains work with you know the rest of our body. <laughs> like you're yeah. writing well, it down, sometimes. but I do. I want to I want to talk about this 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 whole like Australian. I don't know what it is because there's things like you know like even on the edge of uncertainty now, Tuvan throat singing is not you know it's not Australian, but they do it up in Mongolia. But it sounded like that to me. And there's these sounds that you have in here that sound like that and then it sounds to me like there's like this boomerang twirling around in the background or like didgeridoo, didgeridoo. which is all circular breathing so it's like circular stuff going yeah. on like these little wind things um what is that because even like at tienes mi corazón that if i said that right you have my heart that i love that um especially yeah, being here and and but there's there it sounds like there's like a boomerang thing going on <laughs> Well, the didgeridoo sound in, in the Edge of Uncertainty is actually uh, an ebo with a slide guitar. Wow! So Damn. I don't know. Do you know? Do you know what an ebo is? Because they haven't been around for a while now. It's a no. It's it's an automatic. Uh, somebody had the idea way back in the '60s of trying to make a guitar sound more violin-like. So what it is is it's this device you hold in your right hand. And you hover it over the string, and it causes the string to start vibrating without you actually plucking it. It's, it works off an yeah. electromagnet. So you can oh, just get it. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really it's really cool. <laughs> I've loved them since they first came out. So, uh, so uh, that's what that is. It, it's creepy, but it's cool. Creepy. You know what I mean? No, it's cool. It's no, like it's I talk, talk about transcending and levitating no, and all that. It, it goes with it. I think I've seen Jethro Tull do stuff like that. It, They've done something in that band. I remember some. I've seen so you can see something little with lightning this. bolts going between yeah. the and the guitar. Like cool. <laughs> no, it's like yeah, that. Robert, Robert, Robert and, Fripp uses them too. He likes them too. There's a lot of guys who use. Them. Yeah. Didn't was it Blood, oh. Sweat, and Tears? I think one of their songs had it. That could really freak people out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a. It's a you know what it is? It's a. It's like a very sort of. Uh, um sound like a, a meditation sound that's what it ends up yeah. being because it's this drone you know and and you can control it to a certain extent by mm-hmm. how you move it forwards and backwards on the string it changes the tonality so it's amazing sound oh, wow. so i use it whenever i get a chance and, and uh, that particular song just really called for it man you know what by the end of this and we have to play under the bodhi tree now right yeah and everyone yes. can go running around get naked and all that good stuff or naked whichever you prefer and take your ebo when you, you know you get it's naked. fall it's a perfect weather <laughs> spring and fall are good seasons to get naked um but i think by the end of this we're all going to be totally tripped out but yeah. <laughs> if i could cause that to happen i'm a very happy guy so that's, that's all good everybody's tripped out and naked um <laughs> with their ebo. i Ice Storm, Ice Storm to me. Now that's a trippy song too because I yeah. literally can hear like little icicles falling, and you can hear there's like a, it's it's different than the tinglings on the. It's tinkle. It's 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 different. There's a it's yeah. just different, but it sounds like nature, and then you've got whale sounds like you've oh. got like the David Gilmore whale thing going on. Like there's there's we call it the whale sound. I don't and know how to explain it, but you feel yeah. like because if you're in an ice storm. And you're like snowed. You feel like you're underground. Like there's an underground thing, and then it's 
it's you've captured that. What happened? Where were you? <laughs> well, I, I, tell you what, I didn't take any drugs. There were no drugs taken to do this album. I promise you. <laughs> um, what? What? I, I everyone's what, gonna start wondering now. <laughs> I, I hope they do. That's all right. That's good. Um, no, when, when I was growing up in Illinois, we used to have ice storms in the winter. And I remember one of the mm-hmm. first things I remember about the first Christmas I remember there was I got up to uh, early in the morning. You know how kids are. You get up when it's Christmas, you get up like at 4 in the morning. And right. uh, I got up and I looked out the window, and it was like the whole place was crystal. It was the most beautiful thing mm. I ever saw in my life, although it wasn't a good thing because we couldn't even open the front door. It was Everything was frozen solid. But it was wow. so beautiful that um, I never really forgot that image. And we had a couple of ice storms after that when I got older, but they just never had the impact that that very first one did. There was about an inch of ice uh, surrounding everything, trees, power lines, everything. It was wow. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And... It just so happened when I wrote this song, I had I was calling it something else, but I really liked the fact that, wait a minute, this sounds like ice crystals, you know. There's, mm. there's crystalline kind of sound going on here, and, and I think I'm just going to call it Ice Storm. And uh, that's how that came about, because it reminded and, me of that. And so where did the whales come from? Well, you now, know the I whales, mean, are, <laughs> the whale sound, it's just the sound, you know, like it, like I was saying before, it's like if you have a if you have a lot of different kinds of things on your palate, you can stick them in almost anywhere, and they'll work. Mm-hmm. That's you know, yeah. Like on true. on those whale on those whale type sounds you're talking about, that was just a fluke. I thought I would try it. I thought I would try. Nice it. Let's see fun. what this sound sounds like in here. Well, if you listen, when 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 we finally did get the front door open, it's it's almost eerily quiet except what you mm-hmm. do here is tree branches every time it blows they mm-hmm. make this really weird sound and it is very eerie and it's very whale like but it also crackles mm. so it's a, it's mm. a beautiful sound and uh, i think what i ended up doing was just subliminally i i i probably remember those sounds and stuck those wow. in there and they sounded right to me you know <laughs> You so know, I am tripping out now. I, mean, no, I know exactly what you're talking when, about. We used to live in the mountains, and it's cool. Like, there's all yeah. these, there's this intense quietness, but you can just hear, like, little drops. And then when the when it starts to, the sun comes out, it's the most beautiful, everything is just this, it's so clean. Oh, and it's it, incredible, and then, yeah. And then just, just those little drops where everything yeah. starts to melt. I mean, there's just these little sounds, and I think that's the thing. We have to be observant of those, you know, these yeah, sounds yeah. in our life. We get we get sound pollution. Sorry, Nancy. Oh, we sure uh, do. <laughs> yeah, we sure do, yeah. Nancy, what were you going to say? I was going to say there's a sound that I remember up in Oregon going up to Canada in the snow where as you're driving under the limbs of trees that are really laden with snow and it would just yeah. shake off and hit the top of your car. Mm. And it would yeah, just yeah. be kind of a, oh, Wow. Yeah. And everything would just go quiet, and you felt like you're still moving, but you felt like everything just stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it very cool, like, man. <laughs> it's a wonderful awesome. Wow. Wow. Who knew we'd be talking about this on the show? Ice storms and yeah. whales and, you know, naked beaches and, you know, it's good stuff. This is what happens yeah, when you listen stuff. to a really I mean, good yeah. instrumental album and you get – but that's the thing. I think we have these sounds, and I think there's some of the sounds – 
like the whale sound. I think that goes back to when we were babies in the womb, and the, there's going to be water sounds in there. <laughs> a lot. No, I mean, I'm not calling the mother a whale or the kid a whale. I'm just saying that in there, there's going to be like water sounds, and I think that, that we're attracted to water sounds from being in the womb. Just a thought. We all came out of the water anyway. Splash. We splash. You know, yep. We were taking a we bath. Did. So. What what's the next step for you now? You've got this amazing album out, and I know it's crowdfunded too. I mean, that is amazing. It's awesome that all these people came out, and this is out now. Are you going to do another album? Yeah. Well, okay. The first thing we got to do is we have to. Karen and I are planning a move to Spain. We're going to wow. move over to Spain and live there. And and the reason, the main reason, is that Karen's parents are there, and mm-hmm. uh, they're in their eighties and they're doing. They're just thriving over there. So. But it would be nice if Karen could spend some more time with her family. You know, she's mm. she's been over here in America for ten years, and uh, we haven't always been able to get her over to Europe uh, enough mm. to see her family. Mm-hmm. So we started talking about it. We went to a, it's a little community called Calpe in the southern part of Spain, right on the Mediterranean. So in March we went there to see if we liked it there, and I fell in love. I did, I, I didn't want to leave. Mm. So uh, when we came back to to Maricopa, which is where I live. We decided, um, you know what? Let's move. Let's move to Spain. Mm. And uh, wow. it, it, it didn't, didn't take any convincing on. <laughs> you know, I was ready to go. It's absolutely magnificently beautiful place. It's like a, it's like a Hemingway village. You know, mm. and oh. uh, I just love it. I just love it to death. And the so, music, yeah, the yeah. music there. Oh. Well, there's some great music there. That's another thing. So when we get there, I'm setting up the studio, and I'm going right back to work. You know, it's just, uh, it's wow. just a little hiccup here when we move to Spain. But otherwise, I'm going to go back to work. And when you're talking about the, the crowdfunding thing, the, the one thing about that that is, is so wonderful for me as a, as a performer is the fact that it gives me, every time somebody donated, I don't care what it was, it inspired me to go back in the studio and get back to work every single time. Mm. There's, there's something about people who care about what you're doing so much to give up a little mm. bit of dough and tell you, hey, mm-hmm. man, we love your stuff. You know, that, man, that made me get out of bed in the morning. That made me get in the studio. And uh, well, it mm-hmm. made me, it was the most wonderful, it's the most wonderful thing. It's not like when you're signed to a label and say, hey, Hunter, you got to right. get this album done. You know, it's not like that. The dictatorship, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. man, take your time, have fun, get this out. We can't wait to hear it. It was the most, it's the most beautiful way to do an album. And wow. uh, I'm going to do it that way. Any more, any more albums I do, it's going to be done that way because I, these people are, are, are what, they inspire me. I mean, if, if, if I didn't have that, I don't know, I don't know if that album would have come out the way it came out. Because wow. every note I played, I was thinking of all these people that donated money to they want to hear me play something, so I better get busy and play something, you know. And I, I, I felt this I, huge cool. obligation to them, and it was a wonderful thing to feel that kind of obligation. It was wonderful. So well, um, I really like the crowdfunding thing. The crowdfunding thing. I'm glad yeah. to hear this because I think it's a new way of of support. It's better than the stock market. It's better than oh, corporate yeah. dictatorship. And, you know, putting you in a pigeonhole that you need to play this. We just interviewed a band called Bang, and they're awesome. I mean, their story of rock and roll is crazy. So they're really crazy, wild stuff. But then here they are, proto-metal. They're like one of the first metal bands of our country. You know, they say Black Sabbath met Led Zeppelin. And truly awesome. And then the Capitol Records or someone from one of the album covers go, well, can you write a song like Helen Reddy, I'm Woman? (laughs) It's like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Like, seriously. Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll do that. 
And they yeah. wrote a book, uh, their biography, and I, I mean, I, I literally, uh, we were sitting in a doctor's office thing with friends and waiting for a friend, and I literally, like, laughed out loud then, and almost threw the book across, which would have hit somebody, which was, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. And I know that great things have come out of record labels, and we've got all this music out there, but I think it's really neat when fans are able to connect with the artist, and mm-hmm. it doesn't, there's this, and I, especially, again, everything we were talking about, being able to see who's the guitarist behind Ellis Cooper and Lou Reed, you know, who is that yeah. dude up there? Now we get to have this other connection, and it, it opens up that water, and you're definitely a person who doesn't set boundaries and, and limits on, um, on, on life. Like when you talk about your music, and I want to put this sound, and I want to, you know, do blues but still have rock in the Southwest, and India here, but Indians here in the Southwest. I love that you don't limit it and then you still make it flow it's it's a it's brilliant yeah you know what's really wonderful what's wonderful about the crowdfunding thing is that is that those people who donated money want you to do exactly that they Mm -hmm. want you to do what you want to do they want to give you the freedom to do what you because they know that when they get the album it's going to be an honest album it's not going to be something Mm -hmm. that's you know i'm trying to i'm I'm trying to, to please somebody they don't want that. They really just, please give us an album that you like, that you enjoy doing, that you're happy with. They've always been that way. They were that way with the Manhattan Blues Project too. So, mm. uh, I've been so I've been so thrilled by how good it felt to do an album that way. It's just it's just the most magnificent thing. They give me the freedom to do what I want to do. Mm. It's amazing. You know. So, it's interesting how things have changed. I was thinking back to Lawrence Welk. As a kid yeah. growing up, watching Lawrence Welk with my grandmother, and I knew, like, Aladdin played the violin. Myron Foran played the accordion. I remember mm-hmm. those people's names even today. Joanne Castle played the honky-tonk piano. She's a trip. Yeah, because the, in on TV at that time, they highlighted the people in the orchestra. They didn't have... Yeah. There, there was spotlight on the singer, but they always went around and spotlighted each musician at what they were playing and who they were. And somewhere along the line, that guy, when it came to to rock bands, that went out the window. I think window. it's got to do with the label because the label comes in and they, like, again, going back to their interview with Bang last week, it's like suddenly, oh, the drummer's out and this other guy's coming in to, yeah, to do Yeah, maybe this. because you and don't And maybe know. it's that, and that's why the notes aren't there. What do you think? I mean, Steve, you've been well, doing Well, you know what's really life. wonderful about, what's wonderful about you bringing up Lawrence Welk? I remember when I was uh, about four years old, I used to go over to my grandparents when, uh, mm-hmm. and watch Lawrence Welk on Saturday night. Yeah. And my grandfather, I, I was my favorite, my, my grandfather's favorite grandson was me. And <laughs> I would sit on his lap while he smoked a cigar and we watched Lawrence Welk. And he used to always tell me, you know, you could be good enough to play on the Lawrence Welk show one day. He always wow. said that to me. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Because I used to I, I used to just could not believe how good guitar players Those Neil LeVanc and Buddy Merrill were. They, they were just mm-hmm. superb. Guitar mm. players and very diverse. They could play mandolin, they could play lap steel, pedal steel, dobro, anything. They were, and they were fabulous. <coughs> so mm-hmm. I would always say something, and every time I did, my grandfather would say, "Well, you could be as good." <laughs> it was really, it was really wonderful. I still watch okay. Lawrence Walk to this day, and part of the reason. So is, do I. Uh, yeah, on the we older confess. One, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, watched, I'll be, I'm, I'm proud of it. Neil Levant will play I'm, something. 
that'll just blow my mind. I, I, how, yeah. Where did he come up with that? <laughs> you know, okay, like, I'm so glad to have somebody else on you because, listen, when we got back to this country, like one New Year's Eve, like I didn't know much about country music and I'd learn all the, you know, all these things, but I was a rocker, like, you know, I had all that stuff, but came back to this country and it was like, <laughs> oh, learn, look, look at what you, you know. And I stayed up one night, all New Year's Eve, and I watched every single Hee Haw episode. I got into the Lawrence Welk mode and I'm still there. And everybody knows I put photos of Priscilla, our pink sock monkey. She's a sock monkey, our travel mascot. And so we have photos of her with Watching the TV and certain people and the band. Yeah. And I, I just think they are so skilled at what they do. And then I like looking at all the, 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 the bright costumes. colors and the costuming that yeah. they had back then. It's like everybody's wearing cake. You know, yeah. Yeah. but the precision of the musicianship is absolutely, I mean, yeah. it's dead on. Our friend Steve Schneider mm-hmm. performed with them. He does our Hollywood yeah. history, and it's like, wow, like the talent is incredible. But we, yeah. we've got to run, Steve. I, I wish we could sit and do a three-hour show with you and just play every song because I love every <laughs> single one. But we have to play Under the Bodhi Tree. And um, please keep us posted on new music because yeah. we, we love it. And I just know when you're out in Spain that – you know, you know, they all talk to, about Spain, and and if you phone in and port, you got to call in from a world, uh, yeah, for our world radio party from Spain and be, join oh, us for absolutely. that. And yeah, yeah, we have world, we have parties all the time, and you can join any of our parties. And um, but really, when you're in Spain, and then hop over to Portugal because there's that there's like that weird blues opera stuff going on. I don't know the name of it, but there is some deep crazy stuff over there. There's it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know well, what I'm talking about. I'm, I can't. Kind of, I'm a bit partial to Portuguese anyway because I'm a huge Antonio Carlos Tobim fan. Um, mm. He was the one that brought Bossa, Bossa Nova to America back in the 60s. And my God, I love that music. And it's he sings mm. it all in Portuguese. It's the most beautiful language. Oh. Hey, so, what uh, happened to the Bossa Nova? They, no, it's still there if you want to play it. You know, It is. It's, it's still, still there. Around. It's still there. Wow. Everything is still there. That's the beauty of music. It's recorded, and we can go back yeah. on it. And the beauty of the Internet is we get to see shows. You know, we get to see you on stage if we haven't seen you before. You know, I'm like, yeah, look there. I wasn't born yet, yeah. but that's cool, man. I can learn how to do things. But, Steve, yeah. thank you so much. Um, everybody, we're going to play Under the Bodhi Tree, but here's the album, and you must go get it. It is called Before the Lights Go Out. And go to stevehunter.com, and it's on iTunes, Amazon, all those places. But go to stevehunter.com. He's on Facebook and Twitter. And get connected, get following, buy the music, listen to the music. And um, I'm telling you, you're going to go on the biggest trip, man. So here it is. (laughs) Uh, We're going to play Under the Bodhi Tree. So everybody take your bras off, women. So here it is. Roll over the balcony. (laughs) And then take off your pants. I don't know. But uh, thanks, Steve. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck on your trip to Spain. Thank you very much. And the next time I call in, you're going to have to tell me about the bush of Africa. I'm jealous. All righty. That sounds really funny, but yes, we will. <laughs> oh, I guess I didn't mean it quite that way, but I, I hear you. No, we will. We'll tell you. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Okay, good. Thank you.